one of these hand grenades that were from the people that had ambushed us landed just right in the middle of us. And I, I looked at that and I said, I, that's it. You know, I, I know this is over with now. I'm, I'm going to die. Now, it seemed like forever. And it seemed like all these thoughts were going through my mind. But, of course, it, it wasn't. While I was looking at that, the fellow that had given me so much trouble you know, when I first got there just came out of nowhere and he jumped on that grenade. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week, um, we have Bill, and he wants to, he has some sh- stories to share about how God's worked in his life and how he saved him, even when he didn't feel like he was walking closely with God. So we're going to say a prayer for Bill and for us as we get ready to record. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing all of us here together today to record. Thank you just for this chance to share about how you've worked in Bill's lives and all of those lives around him and just... Thank you for the goodness of protecting his life because you had work for him to do. And thank you that you've shown him that. Please be with us as we record this episode. Please just give him the words to speak and the words to say. Um, Let these words touch the hearts and the minds of the listeners that they may see who you truly are and learn more about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you wanted to share about being a veteran, you said. Well, you can start off. Where are you from? I was from Ashland, Oregon. Okay. I was born and raised in Ashland. Nice. And I was going to college there. And again, not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I was changing majors constantly. And I thought, you know, I need a little break. And maybe the military would be a alternative that would give me a little more time to think about what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so... I wrote my draft board. I didn't want to enlist because I knew a lot of my privileges as an Adventist would be taken mm-hmm. away if I enlisted. And so I wrote my draft board and I said, you know, I wouldn't be awfully disappointed if you brought my name up at the next meeting. And four days later, I got my draft board. Oh notice. my goodness. I've never heard of anybody doing that. I did that. That's cool though. And so it, it, it was no time. I was ended up down at Fort Sam Houston, Texas and taking medic, medic training okay. because I was not going to carry, carry a gun or bear arms. Mm-hmm. And so I went through the school and did all of that. And about Thanksgiving time, it's about Thanksgiving time that I ended up over in Vietnam. Oh. My name came up and I was, I was uh, assigned to the 1st Air Cavalry Division, which was a blessing sort of in disguise, but not so much a blessing. The blessing was is that because we did everything out of helicopters, oh, wow. fight and you know, all of that, but the blessing was that at night they could bring hot food out to us, and most <laughs> of the troops that were out there in the jungles were not getting the hot food. Yeah. The bad news was is that wherever there was action, our, the helicopters would go out there, we would mm. go in formation, and, and we would have to go where the action was. Oh, wow. So right on the, like, front lines? Right on. The front lines, yeah, the whole time I was there, we were, we were on, the, on the front lines. That was where I was stationed. So when I got out to my unit, I went out there, and the first person that I met as I got out of the helicopter to join the guys that were, were would be my unit. 
great big sergeant there comes up to me and he's looking me over and I was feeling oh so uncomfortable. He was just, I, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? And he looked at me and he says, where's your gun, boy? Oh. And I says, I don't have a gun. And I'll leave all the colorful language out that went <laughs> with this conversation. <laughs> but he says, well, you better go back and get your gun. And I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't carry a gun. I'm, I'm a non-combatant. And he says, do you realize that there's a war going on here? Oh, my. And I said, yes. And anyway, it was very intimidating. And I thought, oh, no, this guy's got to hate me. He became my very best friend while wow. I was in Vietnam. And I wouldn't be alive today if, if it wasn't for him. He, wow. he died so that I could live at, much, at a later time. Oh, wow. And uh, so we had a lot of time to talk. Uh, he had been a Christian at one time of his life, as, as far as I can tell. He didn't admit to that, but he certainly knew a lot about the Bible and things. And we would sit there at nights, laying out there and pulling guard duty or whatever we were doing. We would talk, and he he would tell me about his family, and he would we would talk about spiritual things. All, even though, again, I was not really living up to the what I should have been living up to. From what I knew, I'd been born and raised in the in in the church. So anyway, that, that blossomed out, that relationship with, with Mac. That's all I know, remember him by his name. So anyway, we, again, I was out there, I was a medic, and there was a lot of action going on. And the first time that I ever really thought about my spiritual life was we had come under... Well, we were ambushed, mm -hmm. and we were kind of cut down there. Nobody, no, nobody could get to us, and we couldn't get out. And so we called back to a, a base and gave them our coordinates to where, or the coordinates of where we thought these snipers were that were shooting at us. Oh wow! And the artillery rounds. And well, let me say. We told them where, where we were, where we thought the other people were, and please start shooting or bringing those artillery rounds in to protect us. Yeah. Well, the first round landed, it came from over our, way back from over our heads. I could hear that thing, and it landed about 20 yards in front of us, and just <gasps> boom. Oh, my goodness. And, and that was like your guys, like the people who were supposed to help you? Or yeah. Oh, my. That's something, I don't know what had happened, but... That was my first experience with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm in a mess here. If you get me out of this, you know, you'll, I'll never be a bad boy again, <laughs> ever and ever um, and ever again. Well, that lasted for, oh, about three weeks, I think. Maybe, maybe not even <laughs> that long. And I was back to just living a kind of a mediocre Christian life. And so did he get you... Like, how did he get you out of it? Was it just they quit firing at you guys, or, like, what did it... Well, immediately, immediately, the person that had our radio in our platoon got back on oh. there and, and was yelling, you're shooting at us, <laughs> you're shooting you know, shoot, shoot at somebody else. <laughs> and so that that stopped, and, and again, I, I really started thinking about things. I started reading my Bible again, and then I got kind of lackadaisical again. And it was just before Christmas time, 
and we were out on patrol again, and things had kind of quieted down. We hadn't hadn't spent a lot of time doing any fighting or anything like that. And uh, we got to a village, and I should have known, or we should have known something was wrong. There was only a lady and a little baby in there. Mm. And the little baby had gotten, something had infected his head. I, th I think it was probably a piece of shrapnel or something oh. when they were, and they don't have hygienic things, a way of treating over there. So they had taken some water buffalo dung and put it on his head oh to goodness. stop the bleeding. And it had sort of had maggots and worms yeah. going out it and that oh, kind of gosh. thing. And I, so I said, I got to help that baby. And so she brought him over and I, I cleaned it all up and cut it away and put alcohol on it, put a nice white bandage on it and Oh, this lady was so thankful, just over and over again. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And in, while I had been working on this ba uh, baby, the fellows in my platoon had been cutting down coconuts around uh, some of the trees that were there. And they weren't ripe. And the lady said through an interpreter, we had an interpreter that traveled with us all the time, that across the rice paddy there on the other side, it got more sun and there would be more coconuts there, over there. So we'd headed over there. And what we didn't know was that there was a regiment size, a command regiment size group of North Vietnamese regular armies that had set up an ambush. Oh my. And we walked, again, we walked into that ambush and it didn't look like we would ever get out. People tried to come in and get us out. Wow. And they couldn't. They got they got pinned down trying to get us out, and uh, so we were down to like only four of us that were left of, of the forty three that had gone in there. And I prayed again, <laughs> Lord. I you know I've blown it once. I if if you can forgive me, if if you can get me out of this, you know that's it. I I promise you, I will never ever, ever stray again. And um, finally, what, what, what we did was, again, we called our, the coordinates of where we were in there, and they brought those Air Force jets in, and they started dropping bombs on our position there. And while those bombs were going off, then I was able to crawl out oh, wow. of uh, there. And not, without, not without anything wrong, but the bombs actually collapsed my lungs there, the compression there. Oh, wow. And, but we, we, we got out, and again, I was just really, really thankful. And this lasted longer this time than it was before. But right after that, uh, people that are older will remember a term that the 68 Tet Offensive, that was kind of the, the whole turning of the war where the North Vietnamese took over and and uh, the Americans were starting, were, were losing the war at that point. So there was a uh, way up in the north part of the country, the Marines up there had been fighting in a city called Way, and they were really heavy casualties. And so, again, being with the 1st Air Cavalry, instead of riding up on horses, we got in our helicopters <laughs> and up we went. And we ended up, that's when we were going down the, going in to try to get them out, and that's when we got hit really hard with mortars and 
artillery and machine guns and all of that. And that's where I got I got wounded at, at that point. Mm -hmm. I uh, everything just went off at once, and so I I don't know if I passed out. It's kind of hard to remember, but I got down it between a, in a underneath the berm in the rice paddy and was laying there thinking I would never, ever, ever see my parents or my family again. I, it's kind of ironic. My grandpa, when I was small, used to take me over to a ice cream stand and we'd have, grandpa and me would have an ice cream there. And I thought, I'm never going to get to have an ice cream with grandpa ever again. Mm. And again, I started making promises. I didn't know I had been wounded at that time. I was just, I was sort of in shock. And, but I was, and uh, I laid there and I, I knew that I certainly didn't want to be captured. I'd seen what had happened to guys that were captured, how their bodies were grotesquely disfigured and things like that as kind of psychological ploys. And I certainly didn't want to become a prisoner of war. And yet I knew there wasn't much, much I could do to, to get out of there. I, I could hear the right within 10 yards of me, there was some machine gun nests there, and I could, I knew that they were there, and I could hear them talking in Vietnamese and all of that, and I could hear them loading and unloading their machine guns, and I thought, you know, this is it, Bill. This is it. It's all over with. And I, I, I prayed again, like I had before, really, and uh, decided that I was not going to become a prisoner of war. And so I knew enough about weapons by this time that I knew that they had to load and reload. And so I heard them, uh, the, the clip on the machine gun, I heard them open that up to put more bullets in. And I got up and I didn't know where I was going to go, but I was just going to run. And, I, wow. and so I started running and next thing I knew, I hit the ground, I was on the ground. And uh, a fellow was there with me, a guy. He says, Doc, he says, I'm going to get you out of here. And so he put me on his back and he carried me back to where we could get what they called medevac helicopters out and I could get back. I could get back out, out of there. But, you know, I often went back and I wondered, you know, why, why did the Lord allow me to get wounded? And, and it just it occurred to me, I'd made two promises already to him there. <laughs> and he's going to say the third time, he said, you know what? I'm going to give you something to remember your promises by. <laughs> and that has happened to me for these 50 years afterwards there. Every, every, time, every time that I start to stray a little bit there or whatever, my arm and my elbow and these wounds start hurting <laughs> really bad. So... Praise the Lord, you know, he reminds me that, you know, I took care of you and I got you out of there and you need to serve me now. So that's what we've been trying to do for so cool. the rest of our rest of our lives. That's so cool. I think God definitely does that. Like like even like the rainbow, you know, it's there. Like mm -hmm. um, it was all rainy yesterday and I saw a rainbow and it just made me think about that too, you know, like that's there too to remember like God's promise to us and like, you know, he your arm reminds you of your promise that's to God right. and stuff. That's and like right. I like, though, that, like, even though you weren't necessarily doing all the right things, like, God's, like, if you call on me in your time of trouble, you know, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. Like, 
it, it's not, it doesn't always have all these qualifiers that we want to put on it. Like, well, if you're doing this and you're doing that or, but you're doing that, so it's not going to count. Like God, God hears your prayer when you're, yeah. when you need it. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Praise the Lord for that. And your wife was saying that you had a, a poncho that was in some. Oh, yeah. Well, I, that was a bad time to be in the war around 1968, because that's when all, most of the action was. Mm. And we were out on patrol one day and we actually had four platoons and then there was a company commander and he had his own medic and his own radio operator and we were out on patrol and I saw the medic that was assigned to him. He was a really good friend of mine. I saw him get shot and so of course I went running to try to see if I could help him out. And not even thinking. And, of mm. course, you know, the person that had shot at him was going to start shooting at me. Yeah. And this was kind of during the monsoon season, or it was raining really hard. And I had had a U.S. Navy poncho that I had on me, and I had the hood over my head, and I had my helmet on top of that. And as I, when they, the guy started shooting at me, the first bullet that affected me actually grazed my face and it made it cut my face and it knocked my helmet off and made a hole back through my poncho in the hood. And then another one, the next bullet, uh, just above my right shoulder, went in and came out the other side but didn't even break my skin. And then as I was falling over because they were shooting at me, two more went through the back of my, oh my goodness. through the back of my poncho and neither one of those broke my skin. Wow. Well, we happened to have... That's definitely the hand of God. Yes. We uh, had a, one of those porters that, reporters that are embedded with troop, and he had his camera and everything. He says, i got to get a picture of this. And so he had me hold up that poncho with all the holes in it there and said, the fellow that was wearing this poncho must have... God must have been watching out for him there because there's all these holes and none of them... Only the one just even cut his face just a little bit. And that went in, I don't remember which magazine. I, I, for almost my whole life, I've tried to forget all those things there. But yeah. I've had other people that have seen that and told me, we saw that, we saw it. So anyway, that was just, again, another reminder. And those weren't the only times, you know, the Lord just really, really was with me the whole time I was there. Yeah. Tell the story about how Max saved your life. I would, I would, I would tell you that's it's, it's not an easy one, but it has a spiritual application that I've I've told this once, and that was at a communion service because it, it it has such a spiritual thing to it. There, in the time that we were lost, almost everybody in our platoon, we were under under the ambush there, and. The lieutenant that was our company commander had been shot, and I was, mm. I was working on him trying to get the bleeding to stop. With everybody, with everything that was happening, I had used up all of my band-aids, so I'd taken off all of my clothes, and I'd start using anything I could to stop the bleeding and, and things like that. We were in there for probably nine hours, maybe, during that time, and so it was a long time to be in there. Well, as I was work, walking... Working on the lieutenant there, he'd been shot in the back, his backside there, which a lot of tissue and 
a lot of blood, but it wasn't, wasn't really that serious, but I was trying to stop the bleeding. Uh, I was, and the, our interpreter was right next to me. One of these hand grenades that were from the people that had ambushed us landed just right in the middle of us. And I, I looked at that and I said, I, that's it. You know, I, I know this is over with now. I'm, I'm going to die. Now, it seemed like forever, and it seemed like all these thoughts were going through my mind, but of course, it, it wasn't. And while I was looking at that, the fellow that had given me so much trouble you know, when I first got there just came out of nowhere, and he jumped on that grenade. And he, and the only reason I can tell this and, and want to tell it, because it's so... It is so apropos to what Jesus did for us. You know, he, we, we were the ones that deserved to die, and yet he came and he threw his whole body to absorb all the, the things of sin there and whatever and took it on himself. And because of that, we're alive. And because of Mac today, I, I'm alive. Wow, so. that's so crazy. That, that's so crazy to get up one's life or like another. Like that's what the Bible calls us to do, but to actually like... And he did it. And he had, he had two small children. I, he was such a great father. Uh, he, liked, he liked to play poker. He said, Doc, he, everybody called me Doc over there. Or he, he called, he says, Doc, don't ever get in a poker game with you. He says, you're my best friend, but if you get in a poker game, we're no longer friends. <laughs> uh, but what he, was, he would play every night and what he was doing was yeah, I would, he would give me his money because it wasn't safe to carry money around over there if people owed you money or anything like that. And no, people knew I wasn't playing poker, so they didn't think <laughs> I had any money. And I would put it in my medic bag or somewhere else. And then he would send that back to his, his little girls. Oh. And he was buying them a, a piano is what he was. He was going to get them not only a piano, but a grand piano. Oh. So I, I saved the money for him. Well, that's so sweet. That's amazing. That's so, yeah. That would be a hard thing to watch and to go through, but it's an awesome way to, yeah, remember. God has his purposes, and, you know, I, I look back now and to see how the, the way the Lord orchestrated my life, and I don't think I would change it even a, a bit. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but <laughs> I just praise the Lord that he, he did yeah, he looked down and was very gracious to me. You could tell the story of where you were sent over mm -hmm. to Japan and you were going through. Well, the worst the worst thing that you could do in Vietnam that that I, I the worst duty that you could pull was guard duty mm. because on guard duty you had to go out about thirty or forty yards. We put trip flares all around our whole area where we were sleeping and all of that. And then we dig foxholes out there, and they would put weapons and claymore mines and hand grenades, and this this hole this was just full of all kinds of ammunition there and stuff. And nobody wanted to go out there because it was kind of scary to be out there by yourself out there in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they wouldn't let me do it because I was not a I was a non-combatant. Well, I. It's kind of a long story, but I eventually I, I talked them into letting me go out there and do that. I didn't feel like if I felt like if they were 
if they were pulling guard duty, then I had every obligation to do it too. I didn't want to be treated any differently mm. than anybody else. So I was out there on guard duty. And, uh, and another case where the Lord protected my life, I was sitting out there and contemplating about, usually when I sat there, I'd think about family and the things back home. And you had to be quiet, of course. And I heard something kind of coming and uh, found out later that uh, I don't, maybe it was a Viet Cong. I'm not sure if it was a North Vietnamese Army person or a Viet Cong, but they had crawled in and were going very, very slow because they, they must have known there were trip flares, trip flares there. And, but they're very sensitive. So he actually set off that trip flare and the light went off. And of course, I didn't, what could I do? I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to shoot a weapon or anything like that. And this uh, person got kind of scared and threw a hand grenade again at, at me. Well, it didn't, it didn't get to me there. It, it actually got before. And I decided, you know what, I better, I better push that plunger on that Claymore mine because this is what I'm out here for. And I said, Lord, oh, don't let me do anything that we wouldn't be within your will. And nothing happened when I pushed it. <laughs> nothing happened. Oh, my. And what had happened was this guy, when he had crawled in there, actually, and thrown the hand grenade, it had landed right on the cord that went to the, the uh, Claymore mine oh and severed it. And so it didn't go off when <laughs> I did it there. Oh, wow. So anyway, the Lord protected me. And, and we, the part that Vinny wanted me to kind of tell you about, uh, after I was wounded, it took me about three or four days to get out of Vietnam because... Every time the plane would come to take the, the, the wounded out, they would start bombing the airstrips. And so we wow. had to wait until the plane could land. Well, it finally did. And I got back to Japan and I, had, I spent three and a half weeks in the hospital in Japan. And what had happened when I was back in Vietnam, there were times where we would go along the airstrips that, that would be our duty. It didn't happen very often, but we would get out there and then we'd have to dig foxholes along the, the airstrip uh, to, to, to protect it. Well, we also put our sleeping bags or whatever we were using for sleeping right alongside those. And during that Tet Offensive, we, we were getting mortared or artillery rounds about every 10 or 15 minutes, just constantly. And it got so tiring to, to have to get up and get into your foxhole and then back out and then back into your foxhole. And so I think most of us just learned that we just slept right next to our foxhole. And when the mortar rounds came in, we just kind of roll over into our foxhole. <laughs> and that's where it was. Well, in Japan, I was, well, what, what would happen on the airstrip was that when the, when the first mortar round came on, they'd set this big siren off that would that would uh, warn you that the, there were more mortars coming in, and that's when to get in your foxhole. Well, I carried this thought when I was in Japan. That they had me pretty heavily sedated because of my wounds and because of my collapsed lungs, and I had malaria also at the same wow. time. Uh, I was pretty sick, yeah. and I was laying in them, and they kept me they kept me uh, drugged pretty much, and and. Uh, 
Anyway, I was laying there in bed kind of the, at one of those times after they'd given me a shot, and I was kind of spaced out. And what I didn't know was that at the hospital, it was an Air Force hospital that I was at, that at noontime to call the workers to to lunch, they put a siren off. Well, I was laying there in bed, and with my collapsed lung, they had they had tubes in my chest, and my natural instinct was just, just to roll, roll over. over into my foxhole, and I did, and I yanked those <laughs> I yanked those tubes right out of my chest. Oh no! And of course, they came running at that there, whatever, and got me back in bed. But oh no! That was one of the. It, it, I look back at it now, and it seems sort of hilarious a little bit there but anyway that was one of the things that was and then let let me just say this cuz without tell, without completing the whole story it's it's that's what it is it's just a story when i when i got back uh to the states and i found a place to live and i got out of the service i was not able to sleep at nights and things mm. and i would get up and i would walk like all night long, just to, just because I didn't want to go to sleep and and do those those things, uh, dreams and things. Yeah. But, and and it, it was a while. But the God, the the good Lord got me through all of those things, and I I had a really really difficult time. I'd seen so much bloodshed and so much death and things there that. It just it, it really affected me, and I didn't want to go to counseling. I didn't know. I didn't want to even talk about it or do anything like that. And the Lord, in all His mercy, finally just He He helped me to be able to live with it. And I mm-hmm. and I came to grips with it there. And and again, I don't talk about that very much. I haven't talked about it for a long time. But again, all the gl- all the all the glory never goes to the Lord for just just giving me the victory finally so I was finally able to sleep again and live a normal life and and uh, so I just praise the Lord for that mm, that's so awesome like I think that like I think God gives us like tools to like take our like you know like health laws you know like and that's the eating healthy and that mm-hmm. can be counseling and good sleep hygiene and exercise all of those things but like I think God also sometimes like even if we're not doing the counseling or the eating healthy he can step in and heal us and yeah. I think that's I think they're both amazing, but I think it's pretty amazing. God is amazing. Mm-hmm. He really is. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those, even though they're hard. Do you want to? Do you have any last words you want to leave the listeners with? Well, I guess the thing that I would learn, if I learn from my experience, is that don't wait till all the bad things come to realize that there is a God out there that, mm. that can help you. He can. He he can. He's there all the time. He's there all the time, and we should. Be appreciative of that, and it's really the only way that any of us can ever live in just perfect peace is to know that God is in control, mm-hmm. and whatever happens is for our own good. Mm. Amen. That's so true. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Bill. We definitely appreciate it, and everybody can come back next week to hear another episode. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page, that is God is Real, God is Good Podcast, or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good Podcast at gmail.com. Bye!